Welcome to the Boston Society of the New Jerusalem's Church on the Hill podcast. If you like it, consider joining us at 140 Bowden Street in Boston for more, or visit us on the web at churchonthehillboston.org. This reading is Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 14 to 16. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called, The Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Today's reading is from Luke, book 21, verses 25 to 36. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress, distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see that Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your, your redemption is driving, drawing near. Then the Lord told them a parable. Look at the fig, the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they spout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you should know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the Lord's words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon you who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and be able to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God.
Please be seated. For anyone who grew up Methodist there, that's a Wesley, that's a Wesley hymn, one of the prolific hymn writers. The hymn talks about the long-expected Jesus being born, but even in Wesley's days, the understanding was not necessarily a belief that it was going to happen on your way home from church today, but that it was an unfolding of something in your heart. Advent is an interesting season, and it starts with a weekend of hope, and I have a difficult relationship with hope. I have a difficult relationship with hope, maybe in the same way that when we read the Bible, a person might have a difficult relationship with the Bible, because the Bible the Bible's full of tension. I think I, I mentioned a few weeks back that the Bible's a great book for people who like war and violence. Right? But think about it. The Bible is full of all sorts of prophecies of darkness, promises of rebirth, and then after the people get reborn, the darkness comes back and the rebirth happens. And one could actually might, might figure out here that this cycle of the promise of God and a birth into a new life, that life dies and then a new promise. It actually happens four or five times in scripture. This process of the people of Israel going through a birth, a life, and a death. The Bible speaks to us, I think, so well, because that's kind of our experience in life, isn't it? Life is not a, a series of doing one thing, constantly the same, our entire life. We go through stages. We become born and reborn throughout the years that we are grown. I still feel sometimes like I'm 12. I don't know about you. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. I'm reminded, I was moving all week, um, moving my mother, and I was reminded by just how in absolute, utter, and complete pain I am in from having to move all of that stuff. And when I said, don't worry, I'm there to help you, Mom. I'm going to move you. I was remembering, I think, what I could do when I was 20. But I don't feel that different. But yet, when I look back in my life, I remember the difficulty of adolescence. And I remember the happy times with an adolescence. I remember the difficulties of times in my 20s. I remember the joyous things that happened in those times. Life is a series of, as we grow, hitting these plateaus, reinventing ourselves, and coming back. And sometimes we don't really have the perspective to view that's what's going on, because we still feel like we're young. Advent and this tension is a reminder of that passage of time. Now, I'm going to take a step back. It was noted earlier that I did some decorating, and those of you who have known me for any period of time know that I love decorating. I like Christmas. It is one of my most famous favorite times of the year. There is no other time of the year that I am happier than running around putting up Christmas decorations. I do. I love it. I love it because... Every time I put up a Christmas decoration, 
I'm reminded of why I'm putting up the Christmas decoration. Now, I do not like decorating. I don't know. Let's pick a, a random holiday. President's Day. I don't put pictures of the presidents all over. Because it's just not what I'm into. I, uh, people can. But for me, every time I hang these decorations, it, it, reminds and, it reminds me of what the promise of that birth, death, and rebirth cycle is. Every time I experience temptation, every time I experience pain, there is a promise. A promise of a new creation that brings me closer to God. Advent is that time. The Advent wreath itself, symbolizing with these candles, one being lit, then two being lit, then three, then four, then finally, you go from one single light to a lot of light. Even time, times in my life when I can keep my eyes on the reality that my pain is an opportunity to grow in love, the more I do that, guess what? The more I do it. Every year I kind of hear stories of people saying, oh, the world's going to, to hell in a handbasket. The problem is, I remember Socrates saying things like that too. What my hope is, is that we are actually growing as a species and as a people. That we are always going to be confronted with what's horrible and our desire to do what's good is going to be get better and better and better and better, like we're walking upstairs. But we can never give up the fight to be more loving and to be more better. But Advent gives us, Advent gives us a special opportunity. It gives us the opportunity to decorate. So I'm going to take a step. I'm going to come back to decorating here in a second, but. We had a, a concert the other night, a beautiful Messiah sing. The room was full of people up in the fellowship hall. And I started thinking, and this is no reflection on Carlton's planning or the event itself, what would happen if somebody had a heart attack today? Now you have to know, my mind thinks like this because of my years is an EMT, riding ambulances, and so forth. And I started to think to myself, what would I do right now if something happened? Who would I assign to go get the AED? Who would I assign to help do compressions? Who would I assign to move the people out of the way, to go get the people at the end? I started going through all these things because there were a lot of people I didn't know there, and one or two I was not sure would make it through the Messiah thing because it was so good. Beauty that could stop the heart. Okay? But then I started thinking, and the, it actually came up afterwards, First responders, when they're put in emergency situations unexpected, have problems responding. Did you know that? They're not magic. When you're in your little vehicle, you get to turn your lights on, you get to drive to the, to the scene, your brain is prepped, you've gone through it, you have all your tools, but when something happens right in front of you and you don't have your tools, you might not be ready to respond. You see, preparation is an interesting thing. By just the act of me going through in my head asking, what are the exits? What are the potential problems? 
who would I assign to do this? Just that mental exercise prepared me for going into an emergency scene. And it prepares me sitting here in this chair thinking to myself, what would I do if somebody right now had a heart attack? Who would I get to do what things? If I don't think about it, guess what? I'm not prepared. Advent is a series of stories that are talking about preparation. So here's my question. In a given Christmas year, what do you do to prepare? And what are you preparing for? I love to decorate, but the point is not the tree, right? The point is not the decoration. The point is the preparation that goes behind the tree. So when I start putting up decorations, I'm actively thinking of not, oh, I have to make the church look good. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is, how can I transform this place into a place that all of a sudden, hopefully, will shift your consciousness a little bit into the idea of what does it mean to prepare to be closer to God? Because that's what Advent is about. Are you prepared to be closer to God? And I'm going to give you a promise here. The promise is being closer to God will make you happier. It will make you love yourself more. It will make you love your neighbor more. It will transform your existence. Advent symbolizes those struggles and those difficult times in our lives. Christmas symbolizes those times when we really love to live. The more that we can practice bringing that sense of really living into our life, guess what? The more it's going to happen. So how... How do you prepare? You see, what I hear more often than not, and this is one of the things that I... I love Christmas decorations. People complain all the time. And my daughter started doing it. I don't know where she gets it from. Her mother, probably. It's October. There's Christmas decorations out already. And I said to her, you know, one day I'm going to take you to... I think it's Falmouth, Michigan. Falmouth, Michigan. It's an entire town where it's Christmas every day of the year. You go there and every store is dedicated to Christmas year round. Because my thing is, and I think about it, I struggle. I used to have this really weird rule, right? I'm not going to listen to Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. My brain talks me out of this every year. So I'm going to give you what my brain does to me every year. As I approach it, I start thinking... I'm reading the hymn that we're reading. I'm like, well, this is an Easter hymn, and I get to sing it whenever I want. Go to another, oh, this is an epiphany hymn. I get to sing it. Why can't I sing Christmas hymns whenever I want? Because they're trying to keep something special about Christmas. We restrict Christmas to a certain time of the year. Boy, there's a, what does it mean for us to prepare What does it mean for us to think about God coming into our life? And what does it mean that we're only willing to celebrate it oftentimes once a year? Our scripture's full of all sorts of of prophecies of doom and gloom. And we expect the Millerites, the Branch Davidians, 
I'm going through the lists of all of the millennialist cults, the, the, uh, the shakers. Jesus is going to come during our lifetime. Now, I'm going to give you a Swedenborgian response when I hear this. And this may shock some of you. It may not shock others. But this is my Swedenborgian response to Jesus will come in our lifetime. My response is, it happened in 1758. You missed it. But I don't mean that in a weird way. People look at me like, how can you mean I missed the second coming of Christ and it's not in a weird way? I said, because the coming of God is something that happened and shifted the nature of reality in our world. That shifted the way that we focused. It gave rise to the fight for democracy, to a new sense of self, to all sorts of wonderful things. And the second coming continues to happen. You see, because each one of us, each one of us are like a little church. And each one of us, like we read in our Swedenborg reading today, go through a, a series of death and rebirths. And each one of those times we come closer to God. The second coming of Christ is a transformation of our heart. Where we actually open our heart and allow God to live there. That's how we accept it. You see, the thing is, our faith is not something we are given. Our faith is something that we have to cultivate. We're, most of us are pretty out of touch with farming and gardening and so forth, but how much time do you spend preparing your soil? People who really want good crops prepare their soil for a long time. How long... Do you think marathon runners practice before they run a marathon? Anybody watching the streets right now, you see them. They're out there. They're starting. How many hours of practice do football teams put in before the big game on Sunday? How many drills and classes do first responders take to be prepared to go into the unknown situation? How much practice do our medical professionals go through? The point of the story is practice is important. Preparation is important. If you want to be effective, you can only be effective if you practice. How do you practice to bring God into your life more fully? I'm wagering to bet that most people don't do a whole heck of a lot. We pray, but I'm going to tell you, prayer is really important, but if it's not prayer that actually invites God in, it's not doing anything. If it's prayer that's just dictating to God what you want, it doesn't work. The stories in Scripture that are about the dark time, the dark times in our life, are opportunities for us to contemplate what does it mean for us to appear, to <clears throat> prepare for God entering more fully into our heart. Here's where decorations come in. I love seeing decorations in stores in October. Heck, I would love to see them in September. Because what if you create a spiritual practice? I'm going to give you some homework if you want it. 
If you don't, you can leave and not do a thing. What if every time you see a decoration, you say to yourself, I am going to do something loving after I notice that decoration. Now, decorations are all around us. We can get completely tuned out. I'm not saying walk down the street and every decoration do this. I'm saying when you notice a decoration, when a decoration moves you in some way, just do something loving to the next person you see. And by that, I do not mean solve all their problems. I do not mean give the money. I do not mean going out of your way. I mean ask yourself in your heart, what can I do that's loving? And it can be as simple as smiling at them, acknowledging their existence, and wishing them well this holiday season. And I'm not even going to require that you say Merry Christmas. It can just be happy holidays. It can just be hi. What would it mean when your favorite Christmas carol comes on, if you're a driver, letting the next person in who turns their turn signal on, letting them in because you are reminded of the Christmas carol. Decorations are an opportunity to remind us of a better truth, a truth that we are created to be recipients of goodness and love, and that those decorations become an opportunity for us to open our hearts not to receive the goodness, but to give the goodness. Because it's only the amount that we love others that we are able to be loved. It's about transforming our understanding from walking around all day complaining about, oh, the ills of the commercialization of Christmas, the evils of the world, to start actually saying, how do I propagate Love in my heart. And what does it mean for me to respond to negative? Because guess what? Someone's going to honk at you. Somebody will honk at you, right? Someone's going to be rude to you in the next three weeks. I promise you. What does it mean to respond to that rudeness from love? What does it mean to respond to the political commentary that one might hear on a particular news station? What does it mean to respond to that from a place of love versus a place of darkness? The Christmas decoration that is in your home is a single light burning in a world that is oftentimes too dark. So my question to you today is simple. You are a recipient of good. How do you let the good in? You are a person who is in the image of God to the degree that you let that in. How are you preparing for that? Because every step you take, every corner you turn, every choice you make has a question of who do you love attached to it. So whether you're decorating, whether you're driving, if you see a decoration, take a moment and open your heart to ask, how can I love and be the image of God, which is why the decorations exist. And then we can truly understand more fully what Charles Wesley might have been saying. Come thou long expected Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Boston Society of the New Jerusalem's Church on the Hill podcast. If you liked what you hear, consider joining us at 140 Bowdoin Street, Boston, for more. Or visit us on the web at churchonthehillboston.com.
www.ghostbusters.org.